0: Welcome to Your Change, a broadcast aimed at revealing grace and empowering transformation through the revelation of God's undeserved, unearned, and unmerited favor. We are committed to helping you make better changes in life for life. Jesus, precious name, glory be to God. I want to get straight into the Word uh, this morning. Let's get straight into the Word of God this morning. Are you? I'm mean, excited about the Word this morning how many are expectant of the word this morning you know every time you come to the house of the lord come with an expectation come with an expectation that god speak into my life that god speak into my life through the word so it's always a good habit you know take some time to pray on a friday on a saturday begin to pray for sunday begin to commit sunday into the hands of god not only should you pray for the speaker but also pray for yourself that, God, I don't want to waste your word. I have somebody in the house. You know, make a declaration and say, God, I don't want to waste your word. Why am I saying so? Because men shall not live by bread alone. But it is by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so this morning I'm saying to you, you know what? Build up your expectation of the word. Increase your expectation of the word for God to speak And to address some of the situations that are going on in your life. So, I'm going to continue with the subject of contending. I'm going to continue with the subject of contending. Last time we spoke on contending for the opportunity. Last time we dealt with contending for the opportunity, where we were in the book of Mark, chapter number 10, from verse number 46 to verse number 52 where we're looking at the story of a popular man called Batmas that's how we identify him but his actual name we don't know but mas it simply means the son of Timas and uh, and I pray that that message was a blessing and that it will continue to be a blessing to you in Jesus mighty name and this morning we want to look at uh, what we are calling contending for progress contending progress, Somebody say to somebody who is sitting next to you, just look at them and just say to them, contending for progress. If you're joining us online, please just go ahead and type that in the comment section and just say contending for progress. If you've got your notebook, I want to encourage you to do so. Just get somewhere. Make it a habit to take some notes. Make it a habit to take some notes. As long as you, when you go home, you take a moment to reflect on them, to revisit them to review those knots, so that you can allow the Spirit of God to continue to speak and to minister into your life. And today, I want us to dwell so much on contending for progress. Contending for progress. And our attention is going to go to the book of Nehemiah. That is where our attention is going to go to. We're going to be looking at a number of portions of text based on the book of Nehemiah. Uh, Of Nehemiah. Now, this is a very important uh, passage of the text for us to pay so much attention to. So much attention to because the context around the book of Nehemiah, we see the children of Israel having spent 70 years in captivity. We see the children of Israel, maybe just a little bit lower than that. We see the children of Israel having spent almost 70 years in Babylon in captivity. Now, when that 70-year period came to an end, we begin to see some of the exiles going back to Jerusalem. So they began to move back to Jerusalem. And uh, the book of Ezra presents the first group that went back under the leadership of Ezra and Zerubbabel as well. But now when you come to the book of uh, Nehemiah, we are seeing another group of people that also came back to Jerusalem, which was their homeland. Now, the first group under the leadership of Zerubbabel and under the leadership of Ezra, we take note that um, they came back and they began to build the altar as well as the the, the temple. So we see the rebuilding of the temple through the leadership of the likes of Zerubbabel, through the leadership of the likes of Ezra. So we see them building the temple back on its foundation, the one which was already laid, which was destroyed 70 years ago when the Babylonians came in and they captured Jerusalem. So when the first group came back, they embarked on a mission of rebuilding the temple, of rebuilding the temple. But when we come now to the book of Nehemiah, in the times of Nehemiah, the temple was already built, but the walls and the gates of Jerusalem were still broken down. Can I give context to this book? So when we come now to the book of Nehemiah or the times of Nehemiah, the temple was there, but the gates... And the walls of Jerusalem, they were broken down. For now, when we come now to chapter number one of the book of Nehemiah, we find a man called Nehemiah having been visited by his brother called Hanani. And some of the brothers who came from Jerusalem, they paid a visit to this man called Nehemiah. Nehemiah was in a town called or a place called Shushan. Which was run by a king called King uh, Xexus. And while he was there and he is listening to his brothers who are explaining the situation in Jerusalem, and as they were explaining to him the struggle and the challenge his people were subjected to, the Bible says Nehemiah's heart was troubled. Nehemiah's heart was troubled because as he was listening to the, uh, the story of the situation concerning his people in Jerusalem. He's told that the gates are broken down. He's told that the walls are broken down. Now, these two things are very important because walls speak of security, right? Because walls, they speak of what? Of security, so in other words, that the city of Jerusalem and the people in Jerusalem they were not secure, even though the temple was there, but they were not living in safety because the mechanism that is supposed to bring safety was broken down. Do I have the church this morning? Not only the walls, but the gates, because gates. Are a means of access. So that which gave access into the city and also out of the city, it was broken down as well. So which means as a nation, they had no immigration borders. So there was no control of who comes in and who goes out. Do I have the church this morning? There was no control of what comes into the city and what goes out of the city. Why? Because the gates were broken down. Gates were broken down. And when you study the language or the subject of gates in the Bible, in ancient times, gates were not just a place where you could enter or exit a city, but they were so prominent that... uh, This was a place where trade took place. Gates was a place where even major decisions were made. It was at the gates. Gates was a place where disputes were solved. So kings or judges, they would position themselves at the gates. And this is where people with disputes would come in and have their issues addressed. It was at the gates. So the absence of gates in Jerusalem indicated that things were not okay because the place of safety was destroyed. The very same place where disputes are supposed to be addressed, that place was completely destroyed. So as Nehemiah is hearing about the broken down walls and the gates which were burned down, his heart was troubled. Now, the more you study the situation around Nehemiah and his people, you will soon discover that the situation was so bad to the very extent that other nations would come in even at night time, enter the city because they were, there was no security, there was no mechanism to make people secure. So they would come in even by night time, come in and rape the daughters of Jerusalem, murder them, and leave them dead in the streets. And when people would wake up in the morning, they would wake up to a, a street with dead bodies. This is how bad the situation was for people that were living in Jerusalem. The people in Jerusalem were living in fear. They were living in great fear. And this also explains why they were able to live for over 70 years with broken down walls. Because they were even afraid to embark on such a mission because of their opposers. Because of those who opposed them. They were living under threats to be killed. That is how bad the situation was. So as Nehemiah is being explained all these things, when you come now to chapter number one, you'll find Nehemiah after having listened to this sad state of his people. The Bible says that Nehemiah went on before the Lord in prayer. Nehemiah decided to go and to pray to God. Now when you come to Nehemiah, and I think let me just read this one as part of context. When you come to Nehemiah, chapter number two, verse number 12. When you come to Nehemiah, chapter number two on verse number 12, the scripture says, Then I arose in the night, I and a few men with me, I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do to Jerusalem. Do I have the church this morning? I want you to take note of that. May I say, then I arose in the night, I and a few men with me. I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. So which means, as he was praying about the state of Jerusalem, the scripture then says, God placed something In the heart of Nehemiah. I want you to take note of that. God placed something in the heart of Nehemiah. What is it that God placed in the heart of Nehemiah? God placed in the heart of Nehemiah an assignment to rebuild the walls. God placed in the heart of Nehemiah an assignment to rebuild. The gates of Jerusalem. Do I have the church this morning? Do I have the church this morning? Somebody say hallelujah. Everybody look here. I want to to give context to what we're going to be talking about. So as he's praying, then God placed on his heart. God placed something on his heart. Let me just take a pause a little bit there. At the time I did a teaching series on the voice of guidance. Anybody who remembers that? At the time we did a teaching on the voice of guidance. Somebody say the voice of guidance. Now God speaks to us in so many different ways. God speaks to us in so many different ways. Now when you come to the story of Nehemiah, Nehemiah did not hear an audible voice from God. But what God did was he communicated to him by placing something on his heart. Now, this is very important, maybe as a way of recapping, that God speaks to us in so many different ways. There are times where God is going to speak to you by bringing other people to communicate to you. That could be a word of prophecy, a word of knowledge, or a word of wisdom. There are times where the Holy Spirit is going to whisper an instruction into your spirit man, to your spirit man. But there are also times where God is not going to bring an audible voice. There are times where God is not even going to send someone, but there are times where God is going to place something on your heart that is part of God communicating to you. Do I have the church this morning? That is also part of God communicating to you. You find that a great number of prophets They've got certain things that they did not because they heard the audible voice of God but because God placed a deep burden on their hearts. That is one of the most common ways God speaks to his people. He will place a deep burden on your heart and that burden, it doesn't contradict the written word of God. That burden is in line with the mind, the thoughts, and the ideas of God. Drive the church this morning. Now this is important because many are times God is speaking to us. But if we don't get to know how he speaks to us, chances are very high that we are going to miss the voice of God. So sometimes God speaks to us by placing something on our hearts. doesn't give us rest until we do it. Anybody who has been in that situation where God places something on your heart, you will never find rest externally until you act on that burden, until you act on that which God has placed on your heart. So listen to me brothers and sisters, as we are going to be dealing with contending for progress, this is a good starting place. Why? Because when it comes to contending for progress, progress, it simply means an onward movement towards a desired outcome. That is progress. It is an onward movement. That means there is action. That means there is movement. There is motion in place. It's an onward movement towards a desired outcome. So as we contend for progress... It is important to start with God. Whatever motion you are in, whatever movement you have embarked on, it is important that it has got God in it. So I have the church this morning. Glory be to God. So Nehemiah is now responding to that which God has placed on his heart. What is it that God placed on his heart? God placed a burden on, or Nehemiah of changing an environment somebody say change the environment somebody say change the environment now while Nehemiah is embarking on a mission to Jerusalem the heart of Nehemiah is on effecting a positive change in the environment very important why is that important because there will be no progress. Everybody, look here. Everybody, look here. Thank you so much. Why? Because there will be no progress if the environment is not ideal. Progress is at the mercy of environments. Do I have the church this morning? There are certain things that will never happen under certain conditions. Let me bring it home. I, I'm sure you know of a certain country. In Africa, I will not tell you the name of that country, but there's a certain country in Africa is trying by all means to progress economically. But what is standing in the way of its economic development is the environment. To the very extent that investors from outside who wants to come and invest in this beautiful nation. They can't do so not because they don't have resources. It is because the environment is not ideal. Am I talking to the church this morning? Because the environment is not providing the right climate for progress to be realized. Why am I saying this? Is because the environment that is surrounding you plays a bigger part when it comes to progress in life. Same applies with a child or a daughter or a brother who is going to uni. If you create an environment of friends that have nothing to do with your progress, with your career progress, in as much as you're at a university that is providing ideal opportunities for you to progress in life, but your progress can actually be affected not by the school, but by the environment you have subjected yourself into. Yep. Why am I saying this? Environments are very, 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 very important. Even in our spiritual walk, the environments that you subject yourself to, they play a bigger part as far as your spiritual growth is concerned. There are people that are trying to progress spiritually. They are aiming for an onward movement towards their spiritual growth. But it is not happening not because there is no rich word in the house, but because you have subjected yourself to other environments that are standing in the way of your spiritual progress. I hope I'll still have friends when I finish preaching. I just pray so. So environments are very, very, very important. And Nehemiah is looking at his people and he's looking at the environment in which they are living in. And he's saying, no ways. If this environment is going to remain like this, then nothing is ever going to change. If this environment or this atmosphere is not going to change, then there will, be, there will be no grace upon my people. Rather, there will be disgrace after disgrace. There will be shame after shame upon my people. Why? Because environments play a bigger part as far as progress is concerned. If you are not making progress in your life, Here's a starting point. You begin to, you need to ask yourself, what environment am I under? Because environments can make you move forward or they can make you become stagnant. It's environments that is environment. Now within the context of environments and making progress having an ideal environment I want us to draw our focus I'm not going to be here for a long time I want to draw our focus on what I'm calling the three enemies of progress somebody say the three enemies of progress and using the language or build up from the other first teaching that we did the three enemies are, we call them the anti Progress voices. What do you want to deal with? The three enemies of progress. So you can call them the three anti progress voices. Anti simply means opposing. So there are voices that you're going to come across as you try to progress, as you try to make an onward movement towards a desired outcome. There are certain voices that you've got to overcome there are three voices that you and I will need to overcome so let's go to number one let's go to number one number one it is the voice of dispeasal somebody say the voice of dispeasal English I was as, as learning some new words as I was preparing the word I came to realize that despise is a verb. And the noun for despise is out. Yeah, so when we talk of that word, we're talking about despise. Are we together there now? So It's no longer a complicated word, isn't it? It's no longer a complicated word. So that is the first voice that we want to deal with. Let's go to Nehemiah chapter number 2, verse number 19. Nehemiah chapter number 2. Verse number 19 it's the voice of dispersal. Pronunciations may differ. Let's go to Nehemiah chapter number 2, verse number 19. Are we together then? Nehemiah chapter number 2, verse number 19. And then the Bible says, When Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab head of it, when they heard about the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem and the gates, the Bible says they laughed at us. When they heard about the progress concerning the rebuilding of walls, the Bible says Tob- Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem. What a combination. Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, they laughed at us and despised us. And they said... What is this thing that you are doing? Will you rebel against the king? They laughed at us. You are trying to make progress. But someone comes in and they laugh at your efforts. Woo. Nehemiah is contending for progress. Progress. But his opponents, what do they come and do? They come in and they start to laugh at them and to despise them and listen to their mockery. And they stood up there they said, what is it that you guys are doing? What is it that you guys are doing? Let's jump to Nehemiah chapter number 4, verse number 1 to 3. Let's jump to Nehemiah chapter number 4, verse number 1 to verse number 3. But it so happened when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall. That's progress, isn't it? When they heard that we are rebuilding the wall that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. And I just put a side note there. It's not everyone who celebrates your progress. Can give me that. It's not everyone who is happy with your progress. All right. We flow together. That's number two. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Syria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? You are building a wall. You are establishing a security system for the nation. And immigration borders. And someone comes in and says, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? In other words, will they make themselves secure? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of the rubbish? Stones that are burned. You are building. You are putting your effort into something. And someone comes and says, what are you doing here? Are you capable of making a change? That's what they're saying. Verse number three. Now Tobiah the Ammonite. Remember there's Tobiah, Sanballat, and Geshem. But listen to what Tobiah says. That now Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him. And he said, you know what? Even if they are to build, whatever they build, if even a fox goes up on it, he will bring down their stone wall." They are building a strong wall. And someone comes in and says, if a fox is going to climb on top of the wall, the wall is going to collapse. Can you listen to the extent of more curry that Nehemiah and his people are receiving for what they are doing? Now, this is a voice that is coming to despise them. I want you to understand that to despise It means to look down on with disdain. That is despising someone. It is to look down on someone. It is to scorn. It means to treat with contempt. I like the other people when they're explaining that whole concept of despising other people. It is to think that someone or something is no value. It is to think that something or someone has no value. It is to reckon something as being worthless. So when Tobias and Balad and Geshem were looking at the Jews, were looking at Nehemiah, a man who has come from prayer, a man who has heard God speak to him. But when Sanbalat, Tobias and Geshem are looking at the very same person, They are seeing someone who is of no significance. That's despising. That is looking down on other people. It is to look down. It is to consider that you are of no value. Now listen to me, brothers and sisters, this morning. Every time you stand up and you're contending for progress, you've got to understand that they are going to have Voices that are going to come to despise you. You have to overcome voices that look down upon you. Voices that see no value in you. Uh, I feel like I'm just speaking to myself. You know, when you're contending for progress in life, you've got to become aware that there are voices that don't place value on you. Even though God places value on you, in your prayer room when you prayed, because God values you, he was willing to pay attention to your prayer and to attend to your prayer and to answer your prayer. Why? Because when Nehemiah asked for favor, God answered him. He says, God grant me favor in the ears of the king so that when I make a request, to leave my comfort zone and go to Jerusalem. God, please soften the heart of the king so that he can allow me to go. God attended to the prayer of Nehemiah because Nehemiah was a special person in the eyes of God, but not in the eyes of Tobiah, but not in the eyes of Sanballat, not in the eyes of Geshem. So listen to me, child of God, as you contend for progress in life, you've got to understand where your worth comes from. You've got to be so certain where your value is, the source of your value. Your value is not in people. Your worth does not derive from people. If you're going to make people the source of your worth, you're going to be disappointed. Because people will never place value on you. There are other people who are never happy with what God has placed upon your heart. So every time you are contending for progress, every time you are working to make progress, every time you are making an onward movement, they are never happy. And when they begin to speak about you, they speak in a language that despises you, that looks down upon you. The chief goal of despising you is so that you can get to a point where even yourself, you begin to say to yourself, I am of no value. Have you ever been mocked? To the extent that when you sit down, you actually say amen. Because to say amen, it means to agree. To say amen, it means to say, let it be so. Have you ever been in a situation where someone has despised you? They have looked down upon you. Instead of having the strength to move on, you have the strength to quit. You even tell yourself, what's the point? You even convince yourself that I am nothing. You become so convinced that I am of no value because of other people's voices. And I've come here to speak to you that whatever progress you are aiming in your life, Whatever achievement you want to attain in life, listen to me, brothers and sisters, I want you to know that there are going to be voices that are going to come in to despise you. There are going to be voices that will never be happy with your success in life. There are voices that will never be happy with the things God has placed upon your heart. Can I talk to somebody in the house of the church of God? You believe that God has placed something on your heart. But the reason why you are not progressing is because you've become a victim. You've become a victim. The voices that despise. Sanbalat, Tobian, Geshem, they spoke into your life. What are you doing? Yeah. You are ushering and in your mind you are doing the best. And then you hear somebody say, Ah, Oh, you're ushering. Imagine somebody in the house. Let me bring you home. Let me put a disclaimer. It never happened in my household. But I've heard it. You know, as a pastor, we cancel people and we hear a lot of things. This is a disclaimer so that you don't think minister when he's doing that. But I've heard of husbands who have attempted to dinner. Having cooked dinner and they've set the table and they sit down on the table. Then they hear someone in the house they love so much say, So you have cooked. You know, they taste they the food and they say, I, I'm, I'm trying to find a better English word to you. The, the Shona says, sak, 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 so. Have you ever heard of that? You know, you, you, you have swept the house, you have put so much effort. It's not as perfect as they would have done it. But then, when you look at your efforts, somebody comes in and says, Oh, so you have, you have so you have, oh. I hope I'm talking to somebody in the house. Now, these are the kinds of voices the enemy is going to bring into your life. Do you know, you sing your heart out in church. And somebody comes and says, so you have sang. So, you think you have actually saved you know, you come in and you preach your heart out. And somebody comes in and says, ah. <laughs> So what was your point? Thank you. You know, you have spent an hour trying to explain. And somebody comes and says, So <laughs> well, you have preached. It's despising. These are voices that are trying to make you not move forward. These are voices that are trying to make you not take a forward step. You've got an idea on your heart. You've got a brilliant idea on your heart to do something. And because other people now know about your idea, and then they begin to speak about it, and they say, can anything good come out of you? And as a result, instead of you moving forward, you begin to say amen to those words begin to respond to these words but I'm here to say to you child of God if we are going to make progress in any area of our lives we've got to overcome this voice you've got to overcome this voice why? because this voice is never going to be silent Ah, let, let me just bring it home you cannot pray away this kind of a voice can I repeat that? You can never pray away this kind of a voice, but what you need is the ability to overcome it. That in the presence of Tobias' voice, in the presence of Geshem's voice, in the presence of Sanballat's voice, I am still going to move forward. I am still going to do what God has placed upon my heart. I am not going to stop at the sound of Sanballat, Tobias, and Geshem. I hope I'm speaking to somebody in the house this morning. What is it that God has placed upon your heart? If it has been validated, confirmed, endorsed by God, never allow any other voice to make you stop what God says. Go ahead and do it. So the chief goal of the sun is to come and stop you from doing what God has called. You know what? Nehemiah was coming from a very comfortable place. The Bible identifies me as a cupbearer, not in the house of just a nobody, but from the house of the king. He was living in the palace. He was living pretty comfortable in the palace with a high-paying job. You know what? After hearing the voice of Sanballat, if I was Nehemiah, perhaps I would have simply said, I've got nothing to lose at the end of the day. Because I've got a good job. So I might as well go back home. go to somebody's house. Nehemiah could have simply said, you know what, I've got I, I've got nothing to lose. I'm just trying to defend these people and to help these people. At the end of the day, I've got my good job. I was given leave by my king. So I might as well go back into the minute. I've come a big earlier. I'm happy to go back to work. But Nehemiah refused to be silenced by voices that despised him. He refused to stop his assignment because of voices that were looking down upon him. By voices that were devaluing him. He refused that. He refused that. You know, it's one thing to have other people treat you with contempt, it's another thing for you to now treat yourself with contempt. Never look down upon yourself. Why am I saying so? Because you are of value. In the eyes of God. Listen to what the scripture says. The scripture says, Oh, what is man that God is so mindful of? You are special in the eyes of God. It doesn't matter what people are going to say about you. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. You are wonderfully and fearfully made. In the eyes of God, you are special. Can I speak to all our children in the house this morning? Never allow anybody to talk you down because of the color of your skin. I will repeat that. Never allow anyone in school, everybody in the house, young people are in the house. Young people are in the house. Somebody say amen. Never allow any voice to talk you down because of the color of your skin. You are special in the eyes of God. Can I repeat that? You are special in the eyes of God. If there's a parent sitting next to any young person, please just whisper to them, You are special in the eyes of God. Please make it sink in them that you are special. In the eyes of God Tell them I am a child of God Declare that I am a chosen generation I am a royal priesthood This is me Don't allow external people to define you Let God and God alone define you. You are of value. You are important in the eyes of God. That's why you are created not in the image of Satan. You are created in the image of God. God saw it fit that you be like him. That's how much God values you. Never allow the voice of Tobias and Sanballat to talk you down, to devalue you. To reduce you to nothing. You are special in the eyes of God. Somebody showed I am special. Somebody showed I am important. That's voice number one. Voice number two. It is the voice of destruction. Voice number two. It is the voice of destruction. Second enemy, progress. Is you're going to be making progress in life towards your spirituality is you're going to be making progress in your life towards you know even the material things in this life perhaps you want to make progress as far as building or buying a house is concerned you know what you can apply these principles in every area of your life the second voice that you need to overcome it is the voice of distraction. to be distracted Are are we together this morning? Nehemiah 6 verse number 1 to 3 Nehemiah chapter number 6 verse number 1 to 3 Now read from the New King James Version. It says, Now it happened when Sanballat, Tabea, Geshem, and Arab. Same people. Yeah? Same voices. Just by that, I want you to understand that there are voices that don't just go easily. If ever there is a lesson of perseverance, I think we need to learn perseverance from the devil. I hate him so much, but I think there are things that we can learn from him. You know, the devil doesn't just go away easily. Punch him today, he's got a swollen face, tomorrow you see him coming back. Punch him again, the next day he comes back again. You punch him and you think now he's not going to come back because I've done it three times. Jesus died three days and he rose again. Three times It's enough. The fourth day he's there. There are certain voices that will never give up as far as fighting your progress is concerned. That you've got to know, not beyond shadow of doubt. Now it happened on St. Balad to be a Geshem the Arabite and the race of our enemies, the rest of our enemies, hate that I had rebuilt the walls. That's progress, isn't it? When they hate that I had rebuilt the wall and that there were no breaks left in it. Though at that time I had not hung the doors in the gates. So the wall now has been built. That's progress. But the gates haven't been put in their place. Verse number two. That son Ballad Geshem sent to me saying, Come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of honor. But they thought to do me harm. Now, the first time they were mocking them, they were despising them, they were looking down upon them, they were scorning them. But because it did not work, they devised another strategy. They said this time, we don't want to despise them, but this time, let's distract them. Distraction is the enemy of progress. Anybody who can witness that? Distraction is the enemy of progress. Every time you get distracted, you will never progress in life. So when the enemy fails to stop you, he wants to distract you from carrying on with the assignment God has placed upon your heart. And what does what, what do they do? They said, come let us meet. So in other words, he's, let me use the modern language. He is invited for a, for a get-together. The enemies arranged a get-together in the plain of honor to meet among the villagers. So they are saying, it's not just you, but we have arranged a get-together. Let's come and meet. But behind this get-together, they wanted to do him harm. What are they doing? They are fighting the progress of the rebuilding of the walls and the gates. They could not stop them from building. But now they had to distract them. Listen to me, child of God. When it comes to contending for progress, you've got to overcome the voice of distraction. Voices that wants to divert your attention from what is important. Even if you say don't aim, even if you don't say amen, I think I'm preaching, and you are hearing it. Glory be to God. A distraction. It is a voice intended to divert your attention from something that is more important. That is what. That is a distraction. And the chief goal. Is to turn, it is to turn you aside from the right course. You are moving in the right course, but when a destruction comes, its chief goal is to move you aside. You're supposed to be heading up north, but when a destruction comes, it now moves you from heading towards up north and it moves you towards the east. And it sound like it's too far away, but it, it, it just shifts you so that you are no longer focusing on what is more important. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. It's not every get-together that you've got to go to. Can I talk to you, especially when God has placed something upon your heart, it's not every get-together that you've got to attend to. May God give you the grace and the ability to to decode the spirit behind the get-together. Because it's not every get-together that is for your benefit some of these get together, it's you who is the main item on the agenda. For Nehemiah, they invited him. It was as though it's a nice gathering, but Nehemiah was the main item on the agenda. And the agenda was saying, let's harm him. So that he will not progress with the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. It's not every invitation that you've got to say yes to. Especially to our young people. Praise, it's not every invitation you've got to say yes to. Come say amen for him. Every young person, listen to me. It's not every get-together, it's not every party that you've got to say yes to. It's not every function that has got the best interest of you. Some of them people have sat down. They have planned to harm you behind sins. And you're just jumping in it because at first value, you are seeing joy. You're seeing excitement. You're seeing fun. But at the end of the party, it's you who is more disadvantaged. I know parents are saying amen. It also applies to us as adults. And it's even more with us as adults. I've seen people walk away from their assignments because they were invited and they engaged in the wrong groups. And I'm saying to you, brothers and sisters, when it comes to contending for the progress, or to pay attention to every form of destruction, especially things that appear to be good on the surface. But then you only regret after. May God give you the grace to see and to discern the spirit behind some of the engagements that we involve ourselves into. Because they don't carry the best, they don't have your best interest at the end of the day. And I'm simply saying to each other of God, it is important that you stay right in track. When it comes to making progress, Nehemiah maintained his focus on the rebuilding of the walls. To the very extent that when Sanballat and Tobiah, when they came in and they wanted to instruct him, listen to what he says in verse number three. Nehemiah 6 verse number three. I like this one. He says, So I sent messengers to them saying. So when he got the invitation to come for a get together, here's Nehemiah's response. He says, I am doing a great work. says, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? Can I repeat that in my own words? Nehemiah is saying, you know what, I'm actually doing a good work here. There is no need for me to come down and come to you to listen to your conversations. I am doing a more important thing here. Child of God, you know, Learn to appreciate your efforts. Can I say that again? As a child of God, learn to appreciate your efforts. You know, Nehemiah came here and he says, I'm doing a good job. You know, there are times where you're going to wait for people to applaud you and to appreciate you that you're doing a good job. And sometimes people were very stingy with our compliments, but we're very fast with our complaints. That's us, is That should be repeated. I don't even know if I remember it. It's people who are very fast with what? Complaints. But were very slow with our compliments. So there are times where you've got to be like Nehemiah. No one came to me and said, Nehemiah you're doing a good job. He had to tell himself that I am doing a good job. Yeah. You know, there are times where you've got... Uh, uh, learn to appreciate yourself. If you have sang well, tell yourself, mm, today I sang well. Yeah. Because if, if, if you wait for people and then they don't tell you that you've done well, I know people shoot up there. Because you're thinking, but I, I feel that I've done well. But how come nobody is saying anything? Yeah, if you've cooked well and no one says something, tell yourself, "Mm, at that table, say it. Mm, Today I cooked. I can feel the right measures of spices and everything. Tell yourself, appreciate yourself. Appreciate your efforts, especially where you are seeing progress in what you are doing. Develop your habit of appreciating yourself. Don't just wait for people to say this is good. Tell yourself this is good. And I know some people will say, but pastor, that's pride. If they this kind of pride, which God can even do, I like it. Because when God created six days, he kept on saying, mm, this is good. The first day he created and the Bible says, and then he looked and then he says, it is good. Appreciating yourself. Just tell yourself that from today, I'm going to be appreciating myself. Because if we don't do some of these things, no one is going to come and do it for you. And you will never have a sense of being a person of value if you don't learn to value yourself. Appreciate yourself. Nehemiah comes and says, I'm doing a great job. I cannot come down. The fact that Nehemiah is saying I cannot come down is because he was making progress. Why? Because walls are never built from top to bottom. They are built from the floor, from the ground up. So if he's saying, I'm, I cannot come down, that means the wall is not at the floor level. The wall is already up there. That's progress. So he's acknowledging the progress that he's already making. And he's saying, you know what? I cannot come down. I cannot stop what I'm doing. Why? Because I'm already seeing progress. Why? Because the enemy is trying to distract you. That's what the enemy will do. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. You are making progress. Can I say this to you as, as your pastor? Praise and worship. You are making progress. <clears throat> uh, if you're not jealous, let's clap about it for them. You are making good progress. Young people, musicians, you are making good progress. If I'm to play some of the if I'm to play some of the videos I captured when He's not praised. He's got his title in the house, elder junior. That's why they call him elder. And you listen to how he plays. Now there is progress. There is progress. Look at our media team. There is progress. Yeah. Look, look at the ushering. There is progress. Look at the administration, the Mr. K and the board. Look, there is progress. And we're not going to wait for outsiders to come and say, Ah, you're doing well. We are doing well. (laughs) Not out of pride, but out of just appreciating the efforts people are making. Learn to acknowledge the good work that you're doing. And here's what I'm saying to you. Because of the progress you are making, don't come down from the wall. Don't stop saving God because of the voice of Sanballat. It's just coming to distract you. Don't stop praying because of the voice of Sanballat. You are making good progress. But Pastor, I can't pray for one hour. At least you are praying for five minutes. That's progress. Am I talking to the house this morning? Never ever stop saving God because of voices never terminate your assignment the one that god has placed his hand has given you given you grace to succeed never ever stop executing that assignment because of negative voices because of opposing voices never ever do that you've got to rise up and contend for progress somebody say contend for progress somebody say contend for progress number three the last one the voice of deception the voice of deception. Somebody say the voice of deception. Need to overcome the voice of deception. Nehemiah 6, verse number 10 to 12. I'm going to conclude with this one. Nehemiah chapter number 6, verse number 10 to 12. Afterward, I came to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, the son of Mehetabel, who was a secret informer. Uh, So we have this man, who is a secret informer. In other words, he acted like a prophet or an advisor. So Nehemiah is having a conversation with this man. And the Bible says, And this man said to Nehemiah, You know what, Nehemiah? Let us meet together in the house of God. Within the temple. And let us close the doors of the temple. For your enemies are coming to kill you. Indeed, at night, they will come to kill you. Now, here is a man who is identified as a secret informer. Someone who is coming, and it appears like he's got good intentions. He is known for giving good advice. Right, And the person comes to you and he says, you know what? Your enemies are after you tonight. They want to kill you. So let's 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 go and hide in the temple. Yeah, let's go and hide where. In the temple, let's go in there inside the temple. And let's close the doors. That's verse number ten. And then we come to verse number eleven, and it says, "And I said, Should such a man as I flee? If you look at me, am I a calibre of a person who can run away from voices?" that wants to stop me from carrying out my assignment. That's what he's saying. And who is there such as I who would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. I like verse number 12. Then I perceived that God had not sent him at all. Can you see deception here? He says, Then I perceived That God had not sent him at all. Somebody say at all, but he pronounced his prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had heard him. It's in the Bible. Voice of deception. Voice of what? Deception, brothers and sisters. I think this is very important. If you are going to make progress in life, you've got to overcome the voice of deception. Voices that come like, you know, they appear, they're so nice. They talk church language. They push you to the church and church environments. Nothing better with that. But may God give you the spirit of discernment. May God give you the spirit of discernment. If you are going to make progress... It's not every good advice that is good. Hope you're hearing what I'm saying. When it comes to contending for progress, brothers and sisters, discernment is the antidote to deception. Can I repeat that? Discernment is the antidote to deception. In other words, discernment is the cure. It is the remedy to deception. You need it. In life, you need in life. In the medical field, an antidote, it is a drug or a chemical substance that counteracts the effects of another drug. That's an antidote. Right. It's a chemical or it's a drug that counteracts what? The effects of another drug. So when I give you an antibiotic, I am not allowing the effects of the infection to carry on. So I'm putting a stop to it. And I'm saying to you, in our Christian walk, discernment is the antidote to deception. And I pray and I earnestly pray. If there is one prayer that I make all the time, it is the prayer for discernment. For me, I make it as a leader because it's very important. You cannot be a leader who does not walk in discernment because as a leader, you, you get advice from all sorts of but you need the spirit of discernment to be able to decode the spirit behind the advice. Because when this secret informer came in and he began to give advice, you know, when you just look at it at the surface, almost every one of us can conclude that this is good advice. Because the advice is saying your enemy is about to kill you. It was a common practice in the times of Nehemiah that people would come and kill the Jews. So It was almost true hearing the church of God. And who would refuse an advice of going and hiding in the church? Who would say no to going and hiding in the church? As a matter of fact, in the, nation of, in the nation of Israel, there was a practice that whenever you committed a gross crime or you're in danger, one of the safest place to run to, it was to the temple. If you run and you go into the temple, your enemies would not get in and kill you into the temple because they feared God. So, this secret informer is is sounding like he's giving good advice. But behind the advice, this man was hired. It's important to know even in these times that it's not every prophet who is a prophet of God. We've got so many hired prophets in this season that we're living in. When they prophesy, they are not prophesying because God says something to them. They don't prophesy because God has spoken to them. They prophesy because they are hired. They prophesy for money. They prophesy for material things. And I'm praying today that may God give you the spirit of discernment. Discernment is the ability to recognize what spirit is inspiring a person to speak I don't have hard evidence or, or any stuff that I can say this. But when you're operating in the spirit of discernment, I think I did a teaching as well, isn't it? On discernment, when you talk about the voice of guidance. You know, when you've got the spirit of discernment, something inside you just tells you that something is not right here. I've been in places where I'm given advice, but my spirit tells me, mm, something is not right. And you, you can't connect the dots on the outside. But something is just not adding up. Now to those who have learned to walk or to flow in the gift of discernment, you don't dismiss it. This is where leaders sometimes we will not jump in into action. They say, let's just take a pause. And in no time, things just manifest. And they say, oh, that is why. When this advice came I did not find any peace on the inside of me. And it is my heartfelt prayer, especially in these last days, that may God clothe you with the spirit of discernment, especially those who are doing businesses. May God give you the spirit of discernment, especially in the hour that we're living in. As a matter of fact, the number one weapon the enemy is using in the last days, it is a weapon of deception. If you study the New Testament. The number one weapon the enemy uses in these last days is the weapon of deception and he uses the vehicle of false teaching. So that you order your life around wrong information. You order your life around information that opposes the plans and the will of God. That is deception. And I'm praying that in addition to a heartfelt prayer that I have for God to give you the spirit of discernment. May you develop a hunger in you for the spirit of discernment. May you develop a desire in you for the spirit of discernment. You know, the moment I start to talk about discernment, you know, I can almost take myself into my prayer room. I, I, I get so connected. I become so passionate for the prayer of discernment that God helped me to see things that are underneath the surface help me god to sense things and to be able to pick things that are behind the words that are being said that are behind the actions that are being taken lord help me oh god i don't want to be a believer who is easily tricked you you are easily tricked the enemy just comes in, he throws something that appears to be so good, and you easily buy into it. May God activate in you the spirit of discernment. In you have those moments where also. you can't connect the death, That was everything appears to be good. But something on the inside you let it tell you that something is not right here. And for some reason, mothers are given that gift more than men. I, I remember my mom, you know, you tell her mom, um, I'm, going to, I'm going to meet my friends and play football outside. And yet, I'm not going to play football outside. And mom would tell that's not where you're going. She didn't hear the conversations, she didn't hear the plans. And from nowhere, she's just saying, no, that's not where you're, you're not going. That's not where you're going. You're not going to play football. And you're standing there and you try to argue your way, way out and you're out. But you know what? A person who's lying is no good confidence. And you know, time you give in and you're wondering, but how did he know about this? May God grant you spirit of discernment, especially in these last days that we're living in. May God clothe your spirit with the spirit of discernment. May God your spirit, so that you can become active to the gift of discernment. Refuse to be ticked so easily. Refuse to be diverted so easily. Refuse to be misled so easily. If there is a cry that you and I need to make in this hour, is God activating me? The spirit of discernment, especially in this hour. Not only do you need discernment to have the ability to tell. The negative spirits that are moving, but you also need the same spirit to be able to descend the move of God in your life. That's why it's called the gift of discernment. Sometimes God speaks to us, but we miss His voice because we don't have the spirit of discernment. Sometimes God moves even in a service, but in the absence of a gift of discernment, we will miss God so easily. And I pray that may our generation. May the breed of believers who are living in this present time, may God activate in us the spirit of discernment so that when God moves and God speaks, we don't miss the move of God. We don't miss the voice of God in our lives because we don't have the spirit of discernment. May God give you and activate in you the spirit of discernment even in your family setup. When people are talking and they're discussing things to do, may God bring you... Into a place in the zone, in the realm, where you can tell the spirit behind the conversations. That, yes, it appears to be good, but there's a hidden agenda here. It's Sanballat and Tobiah. They want to take me into the temple, but they want to kill me. They were not going to kill him in the temple, they were going to kill him on his way to the temple. A hidden agenda a hidden agenda. May God save you from hidden agendas in your life. May God rescue you from hidden agendas before they explode, before they manifest in your life. And I pray that may the covering of God be your portion in this season. Where those who plan to harm you, those who plan to destroy you, those who plan to derail your progress, may all their plans be frustrated in the name of Jesus Christ. May every agenda of the enemy that has your name on it, may it never become fruitful. May it never prosper. May it never become successful in the name of Jesus Christ. Am I talking to somebody in the house this morning? Because there are a lot of things that are planned beyond you, behind your sins. There are a lot of things that you can't see. There are a lot of things that people are planning and devising about your life that you can't hear, that you can't see. But I pray today that by the spirit of discernment, may God take you out of danger before the danger happens. May God take you out of their plans before they materialize. Why? Because you are special in the eyes of God. At first, they despised you. It didn't work. They tried to distract you. It didn't work. The last thing that they have to use against you is deception. May you never become a victim of deception in the name of Jesus Christ. May deception never become your portion for all the days of your love, your life. Can I conclude by saying, there are only two critical conditions under which progress will ever take place. It is in the atmosphere or the condition of prayer. Number one and of perseverance progress is inevitable in the corridors of prayer and of perseverance can I repeat that progress is unstoppable in the corridors of prayer and of perseverance of prayer and of perseverance somebody say of prayer and perseverance in these conditions Progress is unstoppable. It doesn't matter the tricks the enemy is going to bring to you. But in an atmosphere of prayer and perseverance, your progress will never be stopped by the enemy. Don't easily give up. Don't easily surrender. That's why I'm saying to you, brothers and sisters, in an atmosphere of prayer and perseverance, your progress becomes unstoppable. Prayer activates your progress. But yet your progress is sustained by perseverance. Mistakes that we tend to make is that we pray, we pray, we start with prayer and we wander in with prayer. Listen to me. Nehemiah prayed in chapter number one and the rest of the journey was perseverance. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Nehemiah prayed in chapter number one but the rest of the journey it was perseverance. You tell yourself, I've got the grace of God. I've heard God clearly. Now the rest of the journey, I'm not going to give up. That's perseverance. I'm not going to give in to the plans and the plots of the enemy. Why? Because the grace of God is upon me. To persevere, it simply means it's a condition of steadfastness. Perseverance, it means to attend continually. So that means I'm going to attend to the building of the wall, not once in a while, but continually. That is perseverance. When some comes to me and they're despising me, I'm going to pray, but I'm going to persevere. In other words, I'm going to press forward. I am not easy to be discouraged. Can I repeat that? Make discouragement very complicated for the enemy. Why? Because you are a man and a woman of prayer and of perseverance. You know, the devil is not afraid of our prayers. He is afraid of this combination, prayer and perseverance. Prayer and perseverance. Moses prayed to God for grace to stand before Pharaoh, but he had to persevere 10 times for him to have a breakthrough. 10 times standing before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says, I will let my people go. But in a few hours, he says, no, 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 I've changed my mind. And Moses had to persevere. Ten good times. It's called perseverance. The greatest example of perseverance, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He was a man of prayer, and yet he persevered. He did not give in when the Pharisees came in and they threatened him. He did not stop, he did not stop saving and doing his assignment because the chief priest and the rabbis and the Pharisees the church people, because they were talking against him, they were opposing him. He prayed and he persevered. And I pray today that you as a New Testament believer, may God give you the spirit of prayer and of perseverance in everything that you do. Don't easily give up and give in. Whatever you want to achieve in life, you need prayer and perseverance. In spite of negative conditions, I am going to press forward. I am going to press forward. I am going to press forward. Somebody say, I'm going to press forward. Somebody say, I'm going to press forward. Backwards, never, but forward ever. I am going to press forward. I am not going to allow my enemies to celebrate. There are plans over my life. I am not going to allow the devil to celebrate his successful agenda because I have given in to him. But rather I'm going to rise up and be a man and a woman of prayer and a man and a woman of perseverance. Persevere right up to the end. Do you know that even in our Christian faith? When it comes to what we are all waiting and praying for, to be with our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ, the command is for us to persevere up to the end that is why you find the likes of Paul and they would write and say I have fought a good fight when you look at the fight that he fought it took a lot of perseverance because at some time he had to be involved in a shipwreck at other times he was left for dead at other times, he had to go without food, but he was persevering. He continued steadfastly. He continued without stopping. And can I encourage you, child of the living God, especially in these last days, don't throw in the towel. Don't give up in your faith. Press on, child of God. Persevere right up to the end. Persevere right up to the end. Paul concludes and he says, I think it's in the book of Galatians. Let me just to read that as a close. Galatians 6 verse 9 he says, "And let us not grow weary. Let us not grow weary in doing what? in doing God. name I says, I'm doing a good work. never get tired in doing good, for in due season you shall reap a bumper harvest. For in due season we shall reap a good harvest, if we don't lose a heart, if we don't give up, if we don't throw in the towel, let's rise on our feet, church of God. Prayer and perseverance are going to be our two points for this week. Prayer and perseverance. I want you to formulate your own confessions for this week around prayer and perseverance. Have something that you're going to tell yourself about prayer and perseverance. I don't know about you, but as for me, I'm making a declaration that I'm going to be a man of prayer and a man of perseverance. I don't know what your words are going to be, but as for me, I'm going to be declaring that no matter what, I'm going to be a young man of prayer and a man of perseverance. In the face of opposition, I am going to remain a man of prayer and a man of perseverance. It's a declaration that I'm making for myself not only for myself but it's a declaration that I'm making also for my family I am going to be a man of prayer for my family and a man of perseverance on behalf of my family I don't know about you but I want you to go before the Lord this morning and I want you to ask God for grace for perseverance I want you to ask God for grace for perseverance but God help me I want to be a man and a woman of prayer a young person of prayer and a young man and a, a woman of perseverance that no matter what Lord, stay in me, the spirit of prayer. Let's pray before God. Let's pray. Thank you for tuning into Your Change, a broadcast aimed at revealing grace and empowering transformation. To interact with us, please visit our website at afmimiltonkeens.org or follow us at Ebenezer Fellowship AFMIM on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also interact with Pasta on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For easy access, the links are in the description.